0: His name was Paul. He's not the Paul that you're thinking of. This Paul was different. He had long, stringy hair. He had piercings. He had ratty jeans. Paul was a teenager. And although he was in the youth group, you might say he was not of the youth group. He antagonized the youth minister. He disrupted class. He was a problem kid from the get-go. But his youth minister, Jack, would not be deterred and he would not give up. Paul freely said that he was not in the youth group to be there for God. He was there for the girls. If only he had groomed himself a little better, he might have gotten a few of those girls. The youth minister, Jack, was a nice fella. He was engaged to be married, and several of the teens from the youth group planned to attend his wedding. And Paul got word of this and decided this would be a good place to meet some of those girls and to diss the youth minister. He made a plan in his mind That after the wedding, as they all went into the reception and got into the receiving line, that he would go through the receiving line. And as he came up to his youth minister Jack's hand, he would do sort of one of these deals and just slide right on by and gently put his arm around Jack's new bride. As you can walk through the receiving line with Paul Can't you just see that smirk that you'd like to wipe off his face? Can't you just see a young punk kid who has no idea how disrespectful he's being? Jack noticed. He saw Paul in the line with that smirk. And Jack, the good youth minister that he was, didn't miss the opportunity. And Paul stuck out his hand and Jack, who was just a little bit taller than Paul, grabbed his hand and threw it down and let him know in no uncertain terms that he meant business. He took two giant hands and placed him on Paul's shoulders. And in only what I can call a come to Jesus moment, looked straight into his eyes. And to this day, Paul will still say he was shaking him. Jack denies the charge, of course. He looked straight into his eyes and he said, I just need to ask you one question, Paul. What are you doing with your life? And the question shook Paul to the core. You see... Most people had given up on him. Most people had written him off as a case too hard to get through to as a person long gone. They had written him off. They had given up on him. And Jack asked him a question that no one had ever asked of Paul. What are you doing with your life? This morning... I want to ask you that question, seven simple words that I hope will shake you as much as they shook Paul, because he left the wedding that day, not with a girl on his side, but with a fire In his heart for some, something had been ignited within him that had never been ignited before. And he felt for the first time that God could use him and that God would use him. And Paul would later go on to be a great minister. And his focus, by the way, was not the church kids. His focus, of course, don't you know, were the kids just like him the ones who were hard to love, the ones that the, the world loved, the ones that the, the church had given up on. And Paul said, no, no, I want to ask them the question that my youth minister, Jack, asked of me. I hope that question may cause you to be a little bit shaken. It should if you're human. Because what we're talking about this morning is the number one reason that people live lives which are adrift. They are without purpose. They are without any sense of mission. You know, every single thing that God created in His entire creation, told in Genesis, from the giant ball of hydrogen that sits some 92 million miles away from us, to that single cell that, of which there are trillions of in here this morning. From the sun to the cell and everything in between. Every single thing that God made has purpose. And when you take that which has been created for a purpose. And you take it out of its purpose or you disconnect it from its purpose. It slowly begins to die. Thoreau said... It is the mass of men who lead lives of quiet desperation. It is a sad truth. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, if you want to turn there. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is a well-known verse that says a powerful truth. It says that we know that in all things... God works for the good, and that's true, but it it doesn't stop there. It says, it goes that we know that God works for the good in all things of those who love Him, and that's true, but it doesn't stop there. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His Purpose. You see, that's where we get disconnected is when we start living life for ourselves and instead stop instead of stopping to ask the question, God, what is it that you created me to do? What is it that you had in mind when my age plus nine months ago, you knit me together? In my mother's womb. What was the purpose? Remember that old adage of a a, a young boy who had been through some hard times. And he was just as happy as could be. An old man, knowing that boy's situation, said, "What's, Son, how can you be so happy? He said, well, it doesn't really matter. I just know that God made me. And God don't make no junk. God creates everything. With purpose, the question is not, does he do that? The question is, are you seeking out his purpose for you? Or are you seeking out your purpose for you? Are you seeking out your parents' purpose for you? Are you seeking out your professor's purpose for you? You see, there are so many other people that have a purpose for you. And to be able to be called to God's purpose, you have to be able to leave that behind. And it's very important Because James chapter 4, verse 14 says very clearly that we don't have a lot of time. He says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You see, your life was created for a purpose, but you and I have the unique challenge that unlike any other part of God's creation, you see, you pull the fish out of water, he'll start to die. You take the bird out of the air, he'll lose his will to go on. But you and I can live our entire lives, however long it may be. James says it's just a mist. We can live our entire lives devoted to ourselves and completely miss out on our purpose. You ever ask God, What is my purpose? I believe He has given you one. And when you choose to intentionally, purposefully live that out, God calls that a mission. And there are too many people who think, I, I'm just, they offer too many excuses. When you're this age, you go, well, I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. I can't, could never possibly do that. And when you get to this age, you go, well, I'm too old. Life has long passed me by. I wish I had their energy. I wish I had their enthusiasm. And I guess what is the exact right age when you are perfectly equipped to live out God's mission? It's like 41, right? It's like there's a moment For a month there when you are perfect, you're you're at the right time of life. Do not buy the lie that you are ever too young or that you are ever too old, that God has ever given up on you. You may be old, you may be tired, you may be depressed, you may be defeated, you may be out of money, your kids may not be talking to you, but you are not dead. And as long as you are on this side of the dirt, there is still time. We got to make the most of the mist. We got to make the most of this time that we have because James says it's short. This is why I love Jesus. Jesus was so clear from such an early age and how he knew it and how he did it. I don't know. Turn to the book of Luke. Luke records beautifully the life The good doctor records the life of the great physician. At age 12, Jesus was lost, but don't mistake, Jesus was not wandering. Jesus couldn't be found, but Jesus knew exactly where he was. Look at verse 49. You see, his parents didn't know where he was, but Jesus knew exactly where he was and what he was doing and why he was there. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Some say that I had to be in my father's house. Turn two chapters over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 42. This kind of connects to some of the things we've been talking about. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Remember, he spent that communion time with God. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, this is verse 43 of Luke chapter 4, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. Jesus had this driving, burning fire within him. One translation says there was one point where Jesus looked resolutely toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem was where the cross was. Jerusalem was where the persecution was. Jerusalem was where he would be abandoned. It was Calvary's hill that would, where he would take and he would give up his own life in the most cruel way. But even more than that, that's just the least of it, even more than that was the spiritual separation that had never happened in all of time or eternity before or since was the separation from his father. Jesus says of that moment, it is an hour when your darkness reigns. In Acts, I'm sorry, not in Acts, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Luke goes on to record that Jesus was on a mission. He called a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was probably a lot like our character Paul. The world had given up on him and indeed Zacchaeus had given up on himself. And Zacchaeus, as Jesus looked up into that sycamore tree and he called Zacchaeus and he said, I must stay at your house today. Now look, verse 10 of chapter 19. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus was on a mission. He knew what that mission was from a very early age. And we'll finish by looking at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, Jesus gets to the zenith of his life, although it seemed at a very low point. We even find him in a valley. And Jesus is kneeling and he's praying and he's exhausted. And even his closest friends in the world can't even stay awake. He kneels in prayer. And he asked God this, verse 42 of chapter 22 of Luke. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus was so on mission that even when he didn't want to do what he knew he had to do, he took it to the Father and said, God, if there's any way, out of this if there's any plan b then i pray for that but but not what i will but what you will when was the last time You said to God, not what I will, not what I want, but what you want. We spend so much time asking God for what we need and what we want, and I believe that's important to do. But when was the last time that you humbly, sincerely, like Jesus, knelt down and said, God, this is what I want, but it's not about what I want, it's about what you want. It's about your purpose, because it's his purpose and his purpose alone that can drive you and I on a mission. We're coming up on April here at Northside. I guess really everywhere we're coming up on April. (laughs) But at Northside, the month of April becomes our missions month. And I love that we have such a great, wonderful focus on missions. By the way, if you didn't get your little magnet When you left uh, last week, they've got some fresh ones printed up. But why, why do we focus so much? Because we want Northside to be a place that's on mission. My hard question for you this morning is, what mission are you on? You say, I don't think I could go halfway around the world and preach and teach and save the lost and do all that. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. What's the purpose of your life? What's God called you to do? What's the thing that that resonates with your heart? What's the thing that makes it beat a little faster? What's the thing that makes you burn? What's the thing that gets you going? What's the reason that you get up in the morning? What is your purpose for using oxygen and space in this world? Don't waste your life. And don't try to seek your purpose from other people. Don't try to seek your purpose from even yourself. Seek what God wants for you. Let his purpose be your purpose and you will. And by the way, this does not mean your life will get easier. In many ways, it will get harder. But when you begin to align yourself with God's purpose for you. It's going to be unbelievable what God will do. This is how Jesus works, by the way. Uh, In uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 8, there's this sort of phrase where Peter and John, if they've been confronted by the Sanhedrin, Acts chapter 4, verse 8 says, And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people... If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, all you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for it is there is no other name. Under Heaven, given to men, by which we must be saved, now verse thirteen says this: For when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, that happens again and again, people who are with Jesus. Remember, who you think of Peter the preacher. He He preached a sermon and thousands of people responded. Every preacher wants to be like Peter, but not every preacher wants to have Peter's story. Peter was a common, ordinary, uneducated fisherman. His purpose in life was to go catch fish. But Jesus had a mission for him, and that was to go catch men. And Jesus, uh, Peter had a a bit of a problem with his mouth, you know. You might say he had a bit of a a, a sailor's talk to him. He got himself in trouble a lot of times. And God said, you give me that mouth and I'm going to use it. I'm going to bring forth the kingdom. I'm going to preach sermons. I'm going to do things through you, Peter. The people are going to look at you and say, who is this guy? Oh, he was with Jesus, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true for Peter and Paul, but that guy's story doesn't just stop there. It is true within you and I as well. And until we take our purpose and turn it aside and give it up and kill it, we will never be on mission. Turn to Matthew chapter 16, the verse that was read for you this morning. Now, Jesus was very clear about this concept. Verse 24, he said to his disciples... If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, listen, you and I see the cross. We have one across the hall in our fellowship hall. And we see that as a as a message of hope, a message of encouragement, a message to look to and say there's still purpose. But don't misunderstand. Two thousand years ago when they heard him say, take up your cross, there was only one purpose for a cross. And that was death public, humiliating death, where one who had tried to lead for a cause against the powers of Rome was put up in a public spectacle and said, if you follow this guy, this is your end too." Jesus called us to the cross. The cross was a point where we leave behind and crucify everything we want, everything we desire. Look what he goes on to say. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet he forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give In exchange for his soul. For the son of man is going to come. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. That's not works-based theology. That's Jesus saying there is no way that you can stand in judgment unless you choose to deny yourself. Kill it. Leave behind your passions, your dreams, whatever you want, and begin to ask as he did, not my will, Father, what is your will? Are you ready to do that? You see, Jesus said, you got to deny yourself and follow me. There's a ton of churches that say, well, all you got to do is invite Jesus. Just invite Jesus in. Just welcome him in. Just come on in. Bring Jesus in wherever you are. And you just sit him right down and he'll just be a part of your life. And Jesus never said, invite me in. Jesus was a rabbi and he lived on mission. And he said, if you want to follow me, then get about the business of following me. It is not about being called to invite Jesus in where you and Jesus can be comfortable. It's about you getting uncomfortable and leaving lots of that stuff behind and choosing to follow him. you got to be on mission, see. you got to be ready to give up what is not good. To leave behind not bad things, but just unimportant things to do what God has called you to do. All right, you're into the yes, but how? Yeah, this all sounds very good, but don't leave me without some how do I get about it? Turn to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul, remember Paul's story? Paul would have been ideal to be a Jewish teacher. He was a Pharisee. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had been trained under Gamaliel. He had all the credentials to reach the children of Abraham. But who did he send Paul to as a light to the Gentiles? He said, verse, chapter 1 and verse 10, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? That's so good, I just want to read it again. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? That's a good question as to whether or not you're on mission or not. Because there are a lot of people that you're going to disappoint when you choose to be approving uh, to, to give, to be approved by God. When you choose to follow him, you're going to leave some people behind. And that's going to be sad and hard and difficult and uncomfortable and all that. But Paul says, my point is not to please them. My point is to please him. Or am I trying to please men? If I were, oh, this is man. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant ...of Christ. Did you catch that? You go around trying to please other people... ...and you have lost mission. You have lost focus. Paul goes on to say... ...if you're worried about the crowds... ...you can forget about following the Savior... ...because He... ...is not worried about how popular you are... ...or how many followers you have... ...or how many likes you get. He is not worried about any of it. And if you're worried about trying to... ...please the crowds... You're not worthy to follow Jesus. I know that's a hard one, but it's got to be said because it's in the book. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's look at another one. This one's a little bit better. We've got to pay attention not to what the people say is point number one. We've got to pay attention to what God says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. Some translations say we are God's Masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, now some people hear me when I preach on mission, and Rob did this this morning, and I'm not faulting them at all. I just need us to understand something. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20 is the great commission. I'm asking you, what's your mission? You see, we got to go about and make disciples as we go. That means whether you work for an oil and gas company, that means whether you're an accountant, that means whether you're a teacher, that means whether you're a website coder. How are you living out God's mission and letting the co-mission line up? The mission and the co-mission. Does that make sense? I hope it does. We have to be on purpose and intentional about doing what God wants us to do and... God works out that plan individually and in different ways through all of us. So we've got a a plan and a purpose, but here's the thing. We ain't got much time. We ain't got much time. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15, 16, And 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You want to know what his will is? You got to look to him. You got to spend some time asking him. You got to look upward. You got to you got to seek his face, and then you have to be obedient to what you believe he's calling you to do. I read a post on Facebook this last week, and it was so heart wrenching because it said, "I have come to the moment when I realize what my purpose in life." really is, but I've come face to face with the realization that living out that purpose means I have to leave a lot of other things behind. That will take courage, and I love how she put it, it will also take guts, and I believe that's true. May she seek it. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, most men go to the grave with the song still in them. Oh, that's true, but that is hard. Some day, I don't know if I'll preach it or Steve will preach it or someone else will preach it, but there will be a coffin right here and you'll be in it. And I'll tell the world about your life or someone will. But in my mind I'm always thinking, are they still singing? Did their song get sung? Did their purpose get lived out? Was their mission heeded? For the very purpose that God created them, did they live it out? This morning, that's my call to you. I want to ask you to stand right now, and I just want to pray. My friend on Facebook asked for guts, and um, I want to pray this morning that you might have some guts. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We admit to you that um, there have been a lot of times when we've focused on the wrong purpose. We've focused on someone else's purpose. We've selfishly focused on our own purpose. And I pray that you call some people this morning to repent and begin to seek out your purpose and your mission. And Father, I know that we are a people of comfort. Security and that probably kills spirituality more than anything else. Father, there are people right now in here this morning, and they know they know what you've called them to do, but they don't have the guts to do it. They realize that choosing to do that means they got to leave behind. Just like the apostles had to leave behind their nets, they're going to have to leave behind some things. And Father, I pray that you just give them the courage and the boldness and the spirit of courageousness within them to go boldly and to live on a mission. Father, won't you give us all the guts this morning that we need to be living on a mission, to be living on purpose, Father, we don't want to go to the graves with the song still in us. We want to sing it now. And so I pray that you'll give us the courage to do that. And Father, whatever stands in our way, we know that the biggest obstacle is fear. Fear from being afraid, making excuses, being too old, being too young, being male, being female, being too poor, being too rich, being whatever. It all comes down to we're afraid. Father, I pray that we can be strong and courageous and that we'll be reminded that as long as we're with you, that you're with us, and if you're with us, we have no reason in the world to fear. God, give us the guts and the courage to be on mission and to forget about everything else. Oh, we love you and we thank you for Jesus, that he was on mission all the time, even to the very end of his life. May we take his life as an example for ours But also may we take his death as an example of our own. May we leave behind the things that do not matter. May we unclutter our hearts and give them purpose and meaning and mission. Thank you for your love, Father, and all the church said. This morning as you're standing, we're getting ready to sing. If you are ready to live on mission and you need prayers for courage, we want to help you do that. If you have any other need, if you've been living in sin and you're ready to, to let God purify your heart through Christ, or if you haven't begun the journey with Christ that starts at the waters of baptism, whatever your need might be, don't live one more day. Your life is a mist. You don't have much time left. Whatever your need is, come as together we sing.